Welcome to another episode of Bright Headed Publishing Patio Book Book Club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. Today, I had the privilege of sitting down with Wayne McFarlane, author of Tales from the Day. Then he also wrote another book, How to Publish Your Book Without Getting Hustled, Hurt, Hammered, or Fleeced, a step-by-step guide. Wayne is a character. He shared with us some of his antidotes, such as shark fishing naked and having a road trip with a monkey. This is one episode you don't want to miss. Welcome to the podcast, our newest member, Wayne McFarland. Wayne, thank you so much for being on the podcast and being a part of the book club. I'm so excited to speak with you. How are you? I am well, Kelly, and you, you're looking well. I'm delighted to be on your your podcast. I've been looking forward to it, and, you know, off we go. Great way to spend a Saturday. Well, good. I'm so glad that you're with me, and I'm excited because you've got two books, and I want to talk about them both because I think uh, both topics are interesting, but... Before we get into the books, I'm really interested in your publishing journey. Like when you started out, did you always know that you were going to be an author? Was there always an author somewhere inside you? Well, you know, my wife of many years, my partner, and I ran a uh, software business for some years. And when we sold it, uh, prior to that, I'd been dabbling in the entertainment industry and some other stuff I won't bore you with but when we we sold our company I've always loved to read so and I've always loved biographies and memoirs and whatever so I started reading a whole boatload of them and ah golly I mean pretty quick I came to the conclusion most memoirs really suck I mean you know they're they're pretty much the the same thing I stood and looked at the mountains and I set my jaw and said there is my future it doesn't work like that. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. And I'd be willing to bet, for example, that if somebody pulled up the curb and said, hey, what are you going to be doing in five years? You would not have said this. I'm willing. That is correct. Yeah. That is 100% correct. Yeah. And so, you know, I looked at it and I thought, you know, what happens to you as you go along in life is usually things that take you places you never thought they would and you get involved with something thinking you're going to go to point b and it takes you to d or e and so i wrote up some experiences ended up with 28 short chapters and when i first took it to a publisher i got the no 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 you can't have short chapters that are each a story you have to have a narrative arc you start out by getting cancer or something and then you you detail your trials and tribulations throughout the book and resolve it at the end by either dying or getting well or whatever. And as it turns out, like with most things, Kelly, you know, we live in a 240 character world. Thank God one person is no longer in there. And and it turned out that that was a pretty good approach because people could read a chapter and be done with it and not try and re-engage with the book and remember if the butler did it or whatever the case was. Now, of course, I claim that it was a, a, you know, having that approach was the result of 
careful study and artistic genius. In fact, it was just the way that I'm comfortable doing stuff, that's all. I suppose in the end, that's what artistry is all about, but. Yeah, and absolutely, and it worked. It worked, yeah, to, to my great delight. And so I initially got a publisher fairly quickly. And then after almost a year, I noticed they weren't selling any books. Now call me crazy, but I think that's what publishers are supposed to do. So we had a rather spirited meeting at the end of which I fired them. And I thought, well, how hard can it be? So I went out on my own. I now have a publisher again, but, and like we were talking previously uh, before the session started, I instantly was besieged with hundreds of emails from people who are going to make me rich and famous and my book could be the next Harry Potter and all of that if I'd only write them a check. <laughs> and as you were saying, you've discovered as well, there's a whole yes. legion of people out there who well, they don't give a crap about you or your work or your artistry. All they care about is making a buck on you. So... Um, so there was that. So that caused me to write the the book, You're an Author, Don't Get Hustled, where I detailed all the schemes and scams out there and and how to recognize when somebody's trying to, you know, put you on that gilded boat that'll go out in the, the lake and sink under you. And um, so, you know, it worked out pretty well. It's a completely surprising thing. I didn't anticipate that. But I just got so mad, you know, and... I joined a few authors' clubs, like, you know, not as good as what you've got going, but they were really quite good. And I just thought these poor first-time authors were getting just beat to death, you know? And I just thought, ah. So... And it's funny because once you kind of get involved with getting your book published and you start encountering these vanity press, these vanity publishers, um, you can defeat you, you know, because you walk away with no money... Whatever little yeah. I've heard people well they've tapped their savings to yeah. try to get oh, yeah. the book out there. Yep. And you have no money and you have boxes full of books and that's it. And so some people walk away defeated. Right? Right. And you know, I was asked to do a seminar the other day for a group of authors who'd completed their first book. And I swear if they'd had any vegetables I would have looked like a salad they would have been throwing tomatoes at me because they asked me they said what do you do what's the approach to, to get a book out there and sell it and I said well there's three things one is to get a professional editor who doesn't have an axe to grind you know they're not trying to be a publishing company or anything like that I said two is find bright heads publishing <laughs> you know, find people like you who, you know, got an audience and will we'll put you on so you can talk about it. And I said, third, you got to write something people will want to read. It's just the same thing with you as your podcast, right? Right. And bo boy, I got to tell you, a lot of people didn't want to hear that because what goes on out there now is, and I'll bet you get this too. You want to sell a lot of books, write a book about self-meditation or whatever it may be and you know if you're going to create a blog or you're going to write a book you got to write about what feels right to you uh you know if, if you want to get something out there uh, a story of of whatever it may be or you want to do a 
blog, you know, clearly you were moved to to do a blog about publishing and authors and whatever. And now if you'd followed the conventional wisdom, maybe you would have, do a blog about cute dogs. That way you'll get a lot of viewers. Well, that's not the point. Right. At least so I view it. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, you have to write what feels good to you. I was always told, write what you know. Yeah. Right? So, you know, write what you know. And then if you decide to go the self-publishing route, you still have to be prepared to put in some work because you've got to market and sell that book. So you you have to be willing to, you have to kind of put on your entrepreneur business hat and step away from being an author and become a business person and figure out a way to get that book out there if you're not going to have a publisher. And hopefully if you have a publisher, they will assist you and and do a lot of that for you because isn't yeah like you said isn't the publisher's job to sell books well you're absolutely right and one thing to remember uh that i always advise people is look publishers you know getting rejections is kind of you know it's like (laughs) getting a belt in karate yeah i got 100 rejections god that was fun um but the thing about publishers what i always advise people is look publishers are they have to make money they can't stay in business so publishers I like syndicating a blog, you know, they specialize in certain areas. So if you've written a cookbook about fish, going to a publisher who publishes romance novels, you're not going to get anywhere. Not that they think you're working good, but it's because that's not their area of expertise. So one thing good is to try and research, but probably the best tip I can give somebody is, you know, when it comes to getting some some books and getting it out there and so people can see it and find it and buy it just go through i know this is heresy go through amazon jeff bezos needs the money that poor guy but he sure does yeah he does i I worry about him every day (laughs) and uh but amazon you can you know you have to learn how to format your book but they have software take you through it it's pretty easy and then once you're on their site, you can buy copies of your book at an author's rate, one at a time if you want to, for a couple of bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you don't need to be paying some group of idiots hundreds of dollars to give you, you know, doorstoppers that you store in your garage. You, you know, and you want to go do a book reading, you can order 10 or 20 or 100 books from Amazon, and you're not going to break the bank. They have them to you in a few days. It's really, it's a great, great service. So I recommend. I would agree. I would agree. I think everybody uses Amazon and it, it is a great way. You know, I think when you're, the key for me is if you're going to self-publish, you're right. You got to have a great editor. You must have a, a solid editor and you're going to yep. pay for that. You know, yeah, you're going to have right. to pay for that. You are going to yep. pay for that. But it will be worth it if the editor is good. Because then once the book is edited and ready for print, you're right. You can take it to Amazon, put it up, format it. There's all types of formatting software out there. And, you know, once you get it up there, then um, the marketing and the promotion starts. Exactly right. And um, so you're, 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 right on, you're right on target there. And an editor can can save you i mean it no matter how good you are um an editor can look at your work and maybe 
what mine did mostly was recommend I move some paragraphs around and everything. And the first time I was kind of resistant. You want me to touch my work, my brilliant tome here? But I followed their advice. And I thought, God, that flows a lot better, you know. So, yes. uh, <laughs> but you didn't hear that from me, you know. But I mean, seriously. <laughs> and and uh, and that's what a good editor does. But they come back to you and say, you know, where you were describing the sword fight, and then you describe the flower bed outside. Bag the flower bed. Just you know, go with the sword fight. That's what a good editor does, and they can make your right. book a lot better. And you have to be wary of scams from editors because there's oh. a lot of people that will say that they're editors and they're just running your their, your manuscript through Grammarly and they're done, <laughs> right? You I are mean, absolutely correct. So yeah, you, you need somebody who's going to be a comprehensive editor who's going to do the developmental piece. You know, also look at your grammar. You know, and and really try to add and enhance to your story. That's yep. what I think. You you're absolutely correct. So. I tell people, look, really dig into the credentials of the editor, look at their references, look at what other authors have said. But you're right. You know, and, and Grammarly and the other programs, they're great, but I'd be willing to bet you that you run a couple of chapters of Harry Potter or Hemingway or The Great Gatsby through Grammarly, and it'll tell you the grammar sucks. You know, I mean, writing is... It's 10% mechanical and 90% inspiration, if you will. And it's like what you're doing. You know, you can take training courses and you can do all this stuff and read books about running a blog and all this. I mean, you can, but if you haven't got that thing, that gene that can make you get on the air and be pleasing and then the editor show and do it, it's not going to fly. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to that something you can't really teach people. And a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I believe that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I agree. Um, and that is some great insight on, you know, wanting to become an author and things to look out for. The book that you wrote, You're an Author, Don't Get Hustled. I like the title. You're an Author, Don't Get Hustled, Don't Get Hurt hammered or fleeced hustled <laughs> hurt hammered or fleeced and so yes. when you were looking when you decided to publish that book um you went with a publisher a publisher published no. that book for you no that one i did on my own because those books are pretty popular on amazon <laughs> and you'll love this one i i will tell you gratefully that i have gotten quite a few reviews on both my books and they've been good very good five star and so forth and uh i got one one star review on all my work and that was for you're an author and it turns out it apparently is from some one of these people who make their money uh you know doing a lot of stuff i said in my book don't do and oh, oh. They, wrote, they wrote the scathing report about it. Clearly, I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, they could have been right on that one, but about a bunch of other stuff. And 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 so, you know, you're sticking your neck out there a little bit, but you got to yeah, go for that it. Is tr that is true. So tell me about Tales from the Day. Now, this is a, mem a memoir, and I like how everything happened under the column Oops. 
How many oops can we have in a lifetime is what I want to know. You've got a lot going on. You have a lot of oops going on in this book. And and when I started out creating it, I I I started thinking to myself, you know, I made a list of all of this weird stuff I'd gotten involved in. And I thought, you know, I, I didn't start out to pitch a loan shark for an advertising contract. I didn't start out to go shark fishing in my underwear. I didn't I didn't start out to do that stuff, but suddenly ended up there. So I thought, well, that is the way I think that life works. You know, you go along and you you get involved with something, one day you find you're running a blog. I mean, what? And and so that's the way I I wrote it. And I'm told most of the chapters are have some humor in them. There's a couple like getting shot in Arkansas and a couple of other things that really not so much, but most of it is is uh, I think fairly humorous because life is fairly humorous. I mean, there's occasional dark spots, but you know. So um, so yeah, I, I happen to think that you know life is basically going in to drain a swamp and finding yourself in the midst of a lot of alligators. I mean, you didn't intend to go alligator wrestling you just wanted to drain the water you know but that's what happens so that's the way i wrote it i would just pick something that happened uh like uh, the day we roped a bear and and i think how did that happen exactly how did we get into that position and i'd write it up and most of them were ended up being chapters but complete chapters where they start and have an end point hopefully with some kind of point in the end point and um so far so good so the one that caught my attention is the road trip with the monkey monkey. so how do you how do you start off your day not intending to be on the road with the monkey but somehow throughout the course of events you end up on the road with a monkey well (laughs) good point uh what happened was i I ran away from the Midwest uh, to California by way of Boston. Go figure, right? And um, at the time, I wasn't married, and I had a roommate, a guy who was down on his luck, so I gave him a place to, to sleep. And I came home one day, and there's a cage in the living living room, empty. And there, my roommate was gone. And the next day I came home and there's a monkey in the cage. So I figured I'd better chat with my roommate about this. So he laid this big story on me about how he'd rescued the monkey uh, from um, a school we had both attended. And, you know, I never questioned that. But later I thought to myself, wait a minute. The school we went to was liberal arts. There was nobody there that would have any interest in cutting up a monkey, you know. So I, I, I to this day, I don't know where he got it, but I sat down with him and I said, look, I'm going to California. And uh, and he had a girlfriend and they both said, great, we'll go with you. We'll split the gas. And how broke was I? Really broke. That sounded pretty good. And then they said, but we got to take the monkey. And I, I just said, I, you know, I hated the monkey. I hated the monkey. And the monkey hated me. Now, I hated the monkey because the monkey had a bladder problem and would always crawl into my bed to sleep. I think the monkey hated me because I always cut off its its booze benders. The monkey got in the habit, we'd have friends over and it would grab everybody's, or 
full beer bottle, you know, if they weren't watching, and would lay on its back and drink the whole thing, which would be like you or I drinking about two gallons of beer at a shot, right? And so I so noticed. This, so this was a booze gasoline monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, you think the monkey was ill-tempered before it got drunk? After it got drunk, it was really a problem. So I'd start cutting it off after two beers, and a monkey just—I think it really hated me for that. So anyway, off we go, and and we decided we'd go to California by way of Boston. And we took the monkey only because my friend's girlfriend said she'd carry it on her lap all the way to Boston. Well, that lasted so long. About, yeah, that lasted about 20 minutes until the bladder problem reasserted itself. So we we rolled into Boston where a, a young lady I used to date lived as well. And, and um, the uh, my friend's girlfriend moved in with my friend. And... They offered to babysit the monkey, and that lasted about an hour until the landlord came by and asked if they were torturing a young child in their apartment. Monkeys make a lot of noise. And so they brought the monkey back over and said, sorry, we ain't getting involved with this. And it lasted at our apartment about 15 minutes until the landlord came by and said, either the noise goes or you go in about half an hour. So... My roommate asks if he can borrow my van. We only had one car. Goes off with the monkey and comes back without it. And I said, okay, I'll bite. Where is that little beer swilling SOB? And he said, Cheetah. That's what he called the monkey. You know, what a stupid name. That's like an old Tarzan movie, you know? It's like calling a dog Spot. So he said, Cheetah is in a happier place. And I thought, ah, I hated that monkey, but I want to see it murdered. And he said, no, 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 no. I didn't kill it. He said, I gave it to a TV station that runs a popular children's program. Well, we went broke in Boston. And, uh, which, <laughs> broker, I should say. And, uh, and we, uh, I left and my friends went off someplace else. And about four months later, I got a letter from the, uh, my girlfriend in Boston, who was by then no longer a girlfriend, and she delightfully told me that the monkey had become a TV star, that it was hugely popular, that people, even adults, would stop what they were doing to watch this stupid animal. Probably they didn't have a drinking beer. And she they even named the TV show after the monkey. And she ended her letter by saying, well, at least one of you made it in Boston. Now, <laughs> I thought that was kind of harsh. I really oh, that did. is a little you know? harsh. That is yeah. a little harsh. But yeah. what a fantastic story! So this booze guzzling monkey turns out to become a TV star of a yeah. children's show. I wonder. Yeah. If they, I wonder if they kept giving it beer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, well, if it didn't have access to the beer, probably. But man, that that thing was a. Well, I can't call it a booze hound because hound being a dog, but man, it loved its beer. I gotta say, so that is hilarious. That is a great story, and your book is filled of these types of antidotes, right? Yeah, pretty much. There's you've 28... had an interesting life. Well, <laughs> you know, I I've often you know, there's a a really great uh, uh, comment in. Harry Potter. I know I've mentioned that a couple times, but I met Rowling back in the day, and 
and uh, and what the line is the three kids, you know, they just gotten out of killing a troll or doing some crazy thing, and the headmaster says, you know, how come every time there's trouble, you three are in the middle of it? And one of them said, I've been wondering that myself. And when as I was writing these stories, my wife was looking at me going, really? I said, yeah, I can't really say. I, I think the thing is, it's like you do in the blog. When you got an opportunity to do something, most people retreat. And I think you get really good things going in your life if uh, somebody says, hey, you want to go shark fishing in the dead of night? You say, sure, my whole life. <laughs> has, has been driving toward this point of shark fishing in the dead of night. Good plan. And then, then you know, you get, things happen. But and if the you're, question is, did you catch a shark? No, we caught a moray eel, though. And, uh, and when we ended up standing in the surf in our underwear because the person who took a shark fishing advised us, was in Trinidad, that we didn't want to walk home in salty, wet clothes. So as we're standing out in the surf, and I, it was midnight or something. Beautiful night, though. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I don't have any pants on. I must look really tasty, you know, to whatever's swimming around out there. And and so, you know, it's just, yeah, I look back at it sometimes myself, and I just say, also, you know, it's one thing I, I like so much about blogs is you have to have eyes to see. You know, I think people's mistakes are first they don't, they get offered an opportunity and instead of saying, yeah, let's go, they say, nah, I want to stay home and binge watch, you know, whatever. And the second thing is that if you're going to get involved with something, you got to have eyes to see the, the humor in it and the craziness of it. You know? That is very, very true. That is hilarious. So do you have any other books in the works? You can't just have 28 great stories and you're saying that's it. <laughs> well, actually, I've always been kind of enamored with historical fiction. So I'm kind of looking at something and and um, to see where it, where it goes from there. And um, I don't know. You know, with, with the book with a lot of chapters, there's some rumors about a movie but i gotta tell you i told my wife our movie contract will be delivered by a flying pig one day so just just watch the horizon <laughs> and when you see <laughs> some <laughs> big huge flying you know porky thing holding a contract we've done it but until then i don't know <laughs> so if you did historical fiction do you have a, a time yeah, I, I was raised on a farm pretty much in South Dakota. And there's some great stories there uh, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. Most of the terrible stories have been covered. But like all things, you know, the day-to-day -day of normal people just doing their, uh, doing their thing. Uh, I've got three stories in my book. One called The Day of Murder and Cornfields Ocean Deep about a unsolved killing in a little town where I grew up. And another one about uh, the, uh, the day of my grandfather, the psychopath, 
so there's a couple stories about South Dakota in there. And and they're about just common folk getting by as best they can, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I can't wait. I think you should definitely write it. Um, the two books that you have out now, I think, are great. Tells from the Day under the heading of Oops just cracks me up. I just, every, you know, just a lot of oops going on, Wayne. And then the other one, you know, you're an author, don't get hustled. That's really valuable information because a lot of people do not know. I personally thought the publishing industry was one way. I just, I just thought it was just one way. And I just, what I, and I didn't really know anything about it, but I guess I went by what I had maybe seen on TV or what I saw in movies and just thought that's the way it was and found out that is not the way it is. And you are so right. You're absolutely correct. I just thought it was one way and, and I found out, you know, um, that it wasn't, but I'm glad that I did find out because when I started off, like you're saying, I did not know that this is what it would turn into. I had no intention in doing a podcast, you know, five years ago. I didn't even know, you know, I had listened to them, but I never thought that I would actually be doing one. That's the way it happens. We never do think, you know, and here comes a totally unsolicited plug. Uh, if someone wants one of my books and if you do, you will live a long and happy life. Uh, just go to Amazon and type in Tales from the Day or you're an author, don't get hustled, and my name, Wayne McFarland. And they, they should pop up and uh, or you can go to www.waynemcfarland.com and you can email me there saying things like, I don't believe you really went fishing in your underwear, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I answer everyone. Fantastic. Wayne, thank you so much. You are now an official member of the book club, which Great. means you are welcome to come back anytime. Uh, when you get that when you get that book, that historical fiction book done, or any other book that you may not know that you're gonna be writing. That may, <laughs> right? That may happen. Yeah. You are more than welcome to come back on the podcast and share. I truly enjoyed speaking with you. It has been my pleasure. Well, thank you so much, and me as well, and take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bright-Headed Publishing Patio Book Book Club. I have been your host, Kelly Morgan. We just wrapped up with author Wayne McFarlane as he talked about his book, Tales from the Day, and how to write a book without getting hurt. We had a great time. You can check out his website, Tales from the Day, or you can also purchase his books on Amazon. If you are interested in becoming a member of the book club and would like to be on the podcast, email me at brightheadedpublishing at gmail.com. Again, brightheadedpublishing at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. Until next time, keep writing.